Arriving back on Alderaan, Castian begins the search for the cyberneticist who can save Laris. But it's wedding season in Crevasse City, and Castian is an unwelcome something new in the bridal party of the Great House of Orden. The journey from Ord Mantell to Alderaan takes several days, Castian. And during that time, Laris's condition remains stable. She shows no sign of improvement. She remains comatose. But per all of your rudimentary instruments, it looks like she's not degrading any further. And that's where Castian's staying most of his time. Just, you know, making sure she's not too cold or too hot. He's making sure she's comfortable, or at least what he thinks would be comfortable to Laris. He even plays some music for her and reads, honestly. Maybe not what she likes, it's the Gamorrean Gambit, but, you know, read what you know. And that's where you are when you get the notification from Bone that he is about to drop out of hyperspace. Castian sits up, and he sits down the data pad and looks towards Laris and says, All right, I'm going to Alderaan. Funny, I'm more scared of seeing Cerise Nabella than possibly being found out by the sizable Imperial presence around Alderaan. And Castian looks towards the mirror in Laris's room, and he notes that he is now sporting a sandy blonde hair color. He also has kind of an artificial tan. It, it looks pretty good. He just looks a little darker than usual. But, you know, even that kind of catches him off guard of this complete stranger. Castian's used to his black hair and pale skin, but now he looks a little bit more refined. And... Uh, he kind of shudders a little bit before marching out of the room and lowering the lights to a comfortable brightness and then heading out towards the cockpit to meet up with Bone. Take us out. The Alderaan system is tranquil and pleasant, just as you left it. Castian looks around, noting other ships that are in the area dubiously looking out for any Imperial patrol crafts. Alderaan is pretty neutral and has kind of its own sovereignty, but that doesn't mean they can throw the Empire out if they wanted to. And there are absolutely some Imperial ships in the sector, but nothing is doing an active patrol. They trust Alderaan to conduct its own security for the moment. Yes, it's trust. Castian looks towards the comm traffic before nodding his head to Bone. No, we're not going to the spaceport. We are going to use uh, the following code. And I think she has us landing. I don't know. It could be at a private villa. It could be a private landing bay. It could be in the middle of a nerf herd. I don't know. She just told us this would be there and we can use this code to get us there. It's of her lady's house. It will apparently be fine. Yes, yes, I'll change the credentials. And Castian goes over towards the transponder, opens it up, looks through a couple of the uh, credential boxes and then pulls out one, slips it in, connects it, and we are now called the Nerf's Gambit. The security system for Alderaan for admitting ships, even if they aren't going directly to the spaceport, is largely automated. And your credentials are good enough that they don't flag any secondary checks. So you're able to get through the planet's atmosphere without actually having to talk to anybody. That's what happens when you have noble credentials. Oh, just fly and watch out for those flying thantas, I think they're called. And Bone flies you without incident to the coordinates. Now, last time that you visited, 
Alderaan, you were in the capital city of Aldera. And of course, Castian, you got into a bit of trouble there, didn't you? Uh, th- it was a dis- there was a uh, miscommunication, seeing as I murdered someone and then walked through the palace as a bloody mess. Yes, there, there was a little bit of an incident. And I believe you kidnapped a government official? She loves me now, so it's okay, right? Right, right. That's how all this works. <laughs> So that's the reason for the disguise, for the altered credentials, and for why Cerise Nabella has you landing, as you noted, out in the middle of a field. You are far from Aldera, the capital city, and instead this field is outside of Crevasse City, which Cerise's letter to you a little while ago indicated where she was spending the summer months with the family that she was working for, House Orden. Is the field packed? Is it filled with nerfs? Or is it an empty field? It's an empty field. Crevasse City is essentially a resort town. So there's not much industry of any kind around it. It's this tranquil area that is literally set into a crevice in the earth, a canyon in the earth. As Bone is flying you towards your coordinates, you actually go over Crevasse City first. And this is a canyon that goes down for miles. And people have built their houses and their businesses into the sides of the canyon. Of course, near the top is the more desirable place to be as you're going to get more sunlight there, more natural light. But it's a little similar to Coruscant in some ways that the farther down you go, the more working class it becomes because of course this resort town does need people to still work in the businesses, to take care of the homes, to work in the restaurants, that sort of thing. But it's not anything like as bad as Coruscant when you go down. It's still... It's still Alderaan. Yes. I mean, their bad is is fairly good. So in some ways, it's similar to Coruscant, but it's also the inverse. The first construction was at the top of the crevice, of course. Mm. So that's where your older, more classic buildings is. And farther down is when you get to the newer construction. Castian pats Bone on top of the head and says, just land, and Cerise Nabella said she'll be meeting us here. I, uh, he looks down at his outfit. I'm going to change. Well, yes, I know I changed earlier, but I, I, I just, I don't feel this one right now with my hair color. It's just, it, it feels too bold. And he turns around and marches back to his room. And about five minutes later, after he feels the shuddering of the landing gear, as we touch down, Castine walks out and he's wearing a, uh, probably a nice formal outfit from the Clone Wars era. So it, it's old. Probably got it from a, uh, a secondhand store, but it looks it looks nice. It's vintage. Vintage. There we go. So the landing gear has settled and the ramp is descending. Castian stops at the very top of the ramp and then he pulls out a small device and holds it to his eyes. And suddenly there is a sharp puff of air that comes out of it and he pulls his head away as his eyes are stinging. And then when he opens his eyes, they are a very plain brown. Oh, God, that hurt. Skinner! Yes, sir. How long does this thing last? It lasts for three days. You said it wouldn't hurt. It would not hurt a droid. Oh, oh, he just throws the contraption down to the ground and marches off. And then he turns as he's halfway down the ramp and looks towards Skidder and says, Make sure that nothing goes wrong with that shipment of whiskey. Of course, sir. It is my gravest duty. Just keep an eye on it. Make sure that it's not going to run out of power. We were supposed to be going there straight away, but we clearly had to make a detour. Of course, sir. And, and also... Keep an eye on Laris, clearly. Of course, sir. Casting realizes he's just trying to delay going down the rest of the ramp. 
and takes a deep breath. Anything else, sir? No, just be careful. You too, sir. And he starts marching down the ramp to see if anybody's waiting for him. There is somebody waiting for you near the bottom of the ramp. A young woman. Cerise's secretary. Um, Castian pauses as he's not sure if she would recognize him, how he looks, or if she knows the situation. He does know that the name he gave Cerise for a fake credentials is Gregor Tibbins. Is this the same secretary that Castian has dealt with when Cerise Nabella was on the other planet? It is. Oh, Castian definitely falters in step as he spots her, hoping his disguise is good enough to fool her, but is very unsure of that. She is studying a data pad as you come down the landing ramp and doesn't even look up at you. Cerise Nabella sends her apologies for not being able to meet you herself. Her duties to the Great House of Orden has kept her away. Uh, yeah, mm. Yes, that's uh, all right. Uh, mm. That's all right. Um, you brought transport? Castian says as he looks around. And she does have a land speeder with her. And then he's just kind of waiting to see if she looks up at him. Come with me. She still isn't looking at you. And what is your name, if I may be so bold? Kaliza Harp. It's a pleasure to meet you, uh, Kaliza. It seems like uh, Miss Nabella is quite busy. Indeed. Fantastic. And he climbs into the land speeder with her. And Kaliza starts the land speeder back up, and she takes you back towards Crevasse City. And the entire time, it's just a long silence as Castian is unsure if she's giving him the cold shoulder because she hates him and thinks he's a very bad idea for Cerise Nabella, or if she's just rude, which he always thought she was rude, but thinking back, he was ruining her life. So he can't really call her rude so much as in she was very probably realistic. Can he get a sense of which one it is? Sure. Let's go with perception. Difficulty will be average. Three advantages. With three advantages, you can tell that she's definitely being chilly, but it's impossible to tell whether that's just her natural state or because it's personal. You know, at this point, Castian is totally fine with just keeping it chilly and just not talking. He looks outside and just watches as we pass the fields. And the landscape here outside of Crevasse City is absolutely beautiful. It is the height of summer. There's wildflowers everywhere that are in full bloom. Birds are singing in the trees. You spot small creatures, you know, the equivalent of squirrels and rabbits frolicking in the field. This is what poets write love stories about. Beautiful, sunny, lazy summer days on Alderaan. Even Castine's a little bit taken back by how beautiful it is. Castine doesn't really see a lot of beauty in nature unless it's uh, the ocean, but this this comes close. It crosses your mind that Mudonin would have loved it here. And Kaliza, she stops the land speeder at the edge of the canyon that is Crevasse City. As I said, this is a very deep canyon. It's also less than a mile wide. So especially as the canyon goes deeper and it starts, it gets very, very narrow towards the bottom. Uh, so it also means that even at noon, there's not a lot of sunlight that gets into the canyon. So as you stop at the edge and if you look down, you can already see that there are lights on at the bottom of the canyon, probably from people that 
may never see the light of day, uh, no matter what time of year it is. Cerise requested that I get you comfortable in the House of Orden. Yes, that sounds uh, delightful, um, <clears throat> Miss Harp. She, of course, is busy running errands all day with Varie Orden. Very uh, Orden, yes. Uh, I, I do have very uh, delicate talks with Cerise I, that, that are quite urgent. Do you know how long she will be and when I will be able to, you know, talk with her, speak with her, ask her some questions? Kaliza refers to her data pad again and sighs. It is two days before Varie's wedding. She is, of course, in the middle of finalizing many details. It is impossible to say how late Cerise is going to be kept today. It's just a wedding. And finally, Kaliza looks at you. I mean, what a wedding it will be. That's, oof, this is, this is very exciting. I mean, thank goodness she's going to get married. I mean, she is getting up there in age. And casting kind of has that look of like, why are you still talking? It is the wedding of the eldest daughter of House Orden. It is going to be an event for 997 guests. That is a lot of um, gifts. <laughs> of course, I, I, I brought in a gift for the lovely couple. Some delightful whiskey from Ord Mantel. I'm sorry, what was your name again? I am uh, Gregor, uh, Gregor Tibbins. You are not on the guest list. Of course, that makes sense. But I ho hopefully I'm on her schedule at some point soon. But not too soon. I understand she's very busy. But, you know, if she has a moment to, you know, that uh, Gregor Tempins is here, uh, that'd be great. You were on her calendar. Unfortunately, Varie's needs are more important than hers. That's, of course, you know, every, you only get married once, usually. I don't know how these weddings work on Alderaan. It's not like it's Corellia. Am I right? Um... And where is the house I'm supposed to be uh, resting in? Follow me. Yes, of course. Kaliza leads you to an elevator platform. Unlike the elevators, again, on Coruscant, this one is actually completely open. There's no ceiling. And at first you think there's not even any walls, but then you realize there is actually a short, completely glass fence around the platform, of course, as a safety measure. As the elevator platform begins to descend, Castian, your vision begins to grow a little dark around the edges, kind of tunnel vision. And as you look up, even though the elevator hasn't descended all of that far, it seems to stretch out in front of you. The rock seems to, just as you are looking up, go higher and higher and higher until above you, you see a shadowy figure. I'd like you to make a fear check using discipline, average difficulty. One success and three threats. So with a success, you're able to, to keep going. Part of you knows that you're not seeing things as they actually are. After all, this is Alderaan. There are no creepy shadowy figures on all of Alderaan, but it's your, your lizard brain is what's taking over here. And so you're, you're staggered. Castian finds himself staring up, and he sees the shadowy figure reaching out for him, and suddenly there is an ignition of a red lightsaber. And then Castian lets out of gasp when he feels something grab his shoulder, and he turns his head sharply, and it's Miss Harp. And the elevator has stopped. He didn't even realize that they had stopped. Yes? We are here. Yes, of course. Of course. Thank you. Thank you. And he looks back towards the top of the ledge which is maybe at most 20 feet above your head. Castian wrinkles his nose and shakes his head and follows her. 
Kaliza leads you off of the elevator platform onto one of the ledges along Crevasse City. This is the top ledge of construction. So the architecture, as I said earlier, is of an older style, but of course feels very classical and of course has had amazing upkeep, even though it is centuries old. She leads you past a couple of different businesses that are here, all obviously catering to a very high-class clientele. You see a couple of clothing boutiques, you see a few salons, tea parlors, you see flower shops, you see a confectionery that has almost impossible-looking light and airy baked goods, and you also see what is very obviously a bridal shop. The windows are filled with ostentatious, beautiful dresses in shades of white and silver and gold and champagne. You didn't realize that there were so many different shades of white until you saw this window display. And inside you see a gaggle of young women and standing amongst them like a dark rain cloud in this sea of white and frothiness is Cerise Nabella. Kaliza is leading you past the bridal shop. Castian definitely slows down as he passes the window. And while you might describe this as a rain cloud of professionalism in the midst of a bunch of summer lilies, you know, excited girls who giggles, uh, to Castian, it is absolutely the opposite. He sees nothing but children playing tea party when there is truly a, a, a mature and professional woman watching over them and making sure they don't, you know, dirty the walls. It is absolutely, he, he feels his mouth go dry as what he sees in front of him is absolutely what he's, he's loved about this woman. He even finds himself kind of just stopping as he walks just to stare through the window. Cerise's style has changed a little bit since you last saw her in person. She's also a bit more tan than you last saw her because she has been spending time outside in the Alderanian summer. She's taken to wearing her long brown hair in a single simple braid down her back. It's a nod to the styles of Alderaan because, of course, the fashionable style for women on Alderaan for their hair is many elaborate braids, elaborate updos. And Cerise is not there yet. It seems very frivolous to her in a lot of ways, but... She can acknowledge it in a very simple style of her own. She is also wearing a simple jumpsuit, and this one is navy blue. It has very little ornamentation on it. As you slow to a stop in front of this bridal shop window, Cerise does look up, and she sees you, and she smiles. That's all Castia needs. He takes a, a, a very small step towards the bridal shop, but then he remembers that, you know, this is her job. This is something she really loves. And then he just kind of reaches up and like twirls a piece of hair that's now like sandy blonde, rolls his eyes. And then he kind of tries to catch up with Miss Harp. Castian, can you give me a perception check? This is hard and it is upgraded twice. One threat. As you hurry to catch up with Kaliza Harp, you trip. Whether it's over your own feet or maybe a root that is jutting up in this rocky shelf, you don't know. It's not enough to hurt you in any way other than bruising your pride, because Cerise saw it. It's the damn cape. He's not used to wearing capes, and he dusts himself off, 
and maybe even notes some of the ladies that were at the bridal shower are now looking out and seeing this kind of man wearing a vintage suit uh, now covered in dust. And maybe that even causes a little bit of laughter. And he quickly dusts himself off and tries not to embarrass himself further and keeps walking. Are you sure everything is all right? Kaliza asks. Of course, of course, I'm fine. I am fine. I'm just, uh, it's, <laughs> I didn't realize that um, <clears throat> the fashion has changed. You know, I've I've been on so many different worlds. Um, I'm part of a uh, Lady Luck, a GLC, you see. Um, I work for a Mr. Calrissian. He's a, a great, well, a little bit of a scumbag. But, you know, you know, you can't you know, always aim for who you want to work for. Of course. She doesn't care enough to require you to do a deception roll for that. Castian, again, tries to flip the cape around his shoulder. It again, does not look like he's doing it right. He's wearing the cape wrong, pretty much. And he just follows behind her. And after a couple more minutes of walking, you leave the commercial district and enter the residential district. And you pass two or three of these massive houses that have been built right into the wall of the canyon. Think kind of similar to Pueblo dwellings in the American Southwest. But of course, with almost a, a Greco-Roman influence in the actual architecture, just soaring columns, intricate carvings in all of the surfaces. Nothing is painted. Instead, all of the decoration comes from being carved into the actual stone that this is made out of. And the stone is in amazingly colorful striations. It's all, to your eye at least, been left unpainted you know perhaps it's been polished in a way to bring out its natural beauty and its natural colors but these stones have deep marbling within them where the base of the stone is a, a whitish shade but then there's streaks of pink and blue and green all throughout it and even flecks of reflective crystal that of course uh, as the sun catches it as it begins to set sets off prismatic reflections all across the canyon. And he will just keep on following her. He's already seen something beautiful, so this architecture is nothing compared to that. Uh, do you know how long the dress tailoring will take? Uh, a few hours? A few minutes? It was supposed to be complete 45 minutes ago. I see. Um, and, and could you get a message to Cerise for me, please? I do have duties of my own, Mr. Tibbins, and it does not include being your messenger. It has already been enough of a delay through my daily duties to act as your tour guide through Crevasse City. I came on important business. Summoned by Cerise Nabella, I, I, I was told I would have an audience. I, I feel that that is uh, uh, important to distinguish. I was told I could have an audience, and it's in a, of a very important matter. Miss Nabella does not like to be interrupted while she is performing her official duties. This is... Uh, if you believe that your needs are so important... It's not my, it's not my needs. It is... I am representing an individual. Mr. Calrissian? Yes. Could you just get the message to her that I am waiting and it's urgent? She seems to be aware of your presence. Castian points towards her. Very well. Thank you. Miss Hop. And he points one more time, and then he just walks wherever they want me to wait. Like, is it a waiting room? Is it an office? Is it a bedroom? The house of the Orden family 
This, of course, is not their year-round residence. As Cerise noted, they had moved here for the summer, so it is not designed for year-round living. When you walk in, there are actually great portions of the ceiling that have been entirely cut out to allow in, again, that limited natural light that the canyon gets during the height of summer. It feels very Mediterranean in here as you are walking from room to room. There are water features everywhere, the sound of the water tinkling gently through the fountains filling the air as you are directed towards the comptroller's office. Because, as you remember, Cerise Nabella has been assigned as the undersecretary for the house comptroller. You looked this up, Castian, because that's a lot of words that don't mean a lot to you. Basically, it means she works for the treasurer. This house is such a massive organization, really, that they require their own accounting department. And so that is where Cerise has landed on her feet here on Alderaan. So you are sent to an office waiting room. This, of course, is not nearly as grandly appointed as the rest of the house. It is much more functional than beautiful, but there's still obvious expensive touches in the decor. Castian, he walks in. Miss Harp shows him where he can sit before, I'm guessing, leaving him. And Castian grumbles a little bit before pulling out his communicator and activating it. Boone! How is Laris? Good, good. Could you give me the name of the man I'm trying to find here? Riston Astor. Okay, fantastic. Is it possible to find a bank account of an unprofessional secretary and maybe drain it for a day or two? No, 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 no. There's no motion, just a piece. Uh, never mind, never mind. I was just, uh, good, good, you're thinking on your feet. Uh, just keep me aware of if there's any changes in Laris. And please make sure... That nothing happens to the whiskey. Laris, if she survives this, will kill me if something happens to the whiskey. And then Castian is sitting down in the chair, waiting. Ten minutes. Twenty? Mm-hmm. And he finally stands up and starts kind of walking through this room, maybe touching a couple of the books, pulling one out, reading it, maybe touching like a, the nose of a statue. It kind of cracks a little bit and he backs away. Castian is closing his eyes and letting out a deep breath and then just going back to his seat and sitting down. Castian is going to try to meditate. This is not very exciting, but welcome to the life of a Jedi. 30 minutes go by. Castian still waits. An hour. Castian is going to wait. The light in the villa takes on a beautiful golden glow as the sun is beginning to sink beyond the horizon. Two hours have passed. And now he's thinking about Laris. He's standing up and he's walking out. He's either going to look for Cerise Nabella, definitely going to walk by that dress shop again. Uh, and if she's not there, he's going to start hunting down this doctor. There's there's public terminals. Place. He can start looking there. So that's what he's going to start doing. Okay. You leave the villa. Kaliza sees you going. Be careful. Don't let anything happen to you. Yes, you be careful too. Castian mumbles with the same affection. And you walk back out onto the walkway of Crevasse City, going towards the bridal shop. But when you look inside, there's no sign of Cerise, other than the mayhem that has been left in the wake of a dozen excited young women having been in there. Is someone cleaning it up right now? Yes. A young shop attendant, young woman. Uh, Castian kind of fixes his hair. 
and walks to the door, trying to look like he's out of breath. I am so sorry to interrupt. I was told that uh, Varie Orden and company was here. Oh, they just left it and they oh, they made this entire mess for you to clean up. It's understandable. Oh, don't, don't even get me started. I'm here from the baker and you should have seen what they did when we did the tasting. I was cleaning dishes all night just to try to get ready for the morning shift. It's uh, quite a, a to-do when a member of a, a great house gets married. Yeah, uh, actually, could you help me out? We can't reach them on the communicator because, you know, you know, they're probably just ignoring it at this point as they rush around. But we need to get confirmation on what sort of muffins they would like for their reception. Casting kind of wrinkles his nose as he says muffins. That's what he went with. Do you know where they went? I, I, I was told they were here last, uh, but it looks like I've missed them. They mentioned that they were going to the florist. Oh, of course, the florist. That was my next guest. Thank you so much. Uh, of course. And Castian turns on his heels, charming as always, and he's going to head off towards the florist. Where's the florist? A minute later, Castian peeks his head in. There's a lot of florists, I realized, and I, we don't got confirmation on who they went with. Uh, did they end up going with... You know, the obvious choice. Well, there really is only one choice when you are a great house. Well, of course, naturally, naturally. So they, they did go with, uh, um, oh God, how is it spelled? <laughs> <laughs> Give me a charm roll. Difficulty? Just average. I got two successes, two advantages, and a triumph. Oh. The woman looks up, and she glanced at you, of course, when you came in, but she was very focused on picking up all of the different dresses that had been strewn about, hanging them back up, getting them on the hangers and putting them in the correct place. So now she looks up at you and really looks at you, and she lets out a little giggle. Oh, <laughs> well, of course, the only choice that they could go with is Zabors. Zabors. Oh, that's always, that's a funny word. Of course, Zabors. <laughs> you have to excuse me. Like I said, I've just been ro uh, working so hard at the bakery with the muffins and <laughs> uh, thank you so much. Uh, I, I do appreciate your help. I could take you there if you'd like. I, I, I'm almost finished here. Really, there's no other appointments today. While she's given you a name... That still doesn't really help you find where this Zabors the florist is. Yes, I would, I would love to go to, I would love you to escort me to Zabors. Thank you. That's, that's so kind of you. Please let me help you, uh, just uh, help you out so we can do this quickly. And he's going to pick up some of like the remnants of like threads and like fabric and throw them away or roll them up, whatever she needs. There's just a little bit of business there as the two of you finish things up. And then she stands there kind of twirling her dress a little bit. How old is she? 19. Oh, God. I mean, Castian's 28. He, this is bad. Yeah, of course, I'll lead the way. And as you outstretch your arm indicating that she should go ahead of you, she wraps her arm around it, linking the two of your arms. Okay, yes, yes. This will be great when I, I show up at Zabora's like this. So are you excited about the, uh, the, the wedding? It's going to be uh, the wedding of, uh, wedding of the century. And she giggles again. <laughs> I'm just so glad that, that our small shop could be part of it. Oh, yes, yes, of course, of course. Um, you know, uh, I've, uh, I'm, I'm new to uh, the city. I'm, I'm, I'm lucky to be here during this exciting time. I, I'm actually uh, with my, uh, my uh, 
Do you know of a uh, of Riston Astor? Um, I mean, I'm looking for uh, he's he's a close personal friend. That's he actually got me the job at the bakery. Astor. <gasps> That's the name of her fiance. Aww. Riston Astor. Riston. No, I don't think it was Riston, but but Astor. A Rin Aster, that was who Varee was, was, was swooning about today. Oh! Oh, isn't that just convenient, Castian says, as he is trying to pick up his pace, but the woman is she's trying to make this stretch out. Like, this is a romantic stroll. It is sunset in Crevasse City. As I said, the sunbeams that catch the crystallized facets of the buildings is just shooting out rainbow sparkles all along the walls of the canyon. I love this time of night. Yeah, it's very nice. It's so romantic. Yes, this situation has never really occurred to me before. He says as he thinks back to the number of jaded lovers that he has left throughout the galaxy. Like him being forced to climb by, I think, Melina? Oh, Melina, yes. Melina. Walking through the gardens with Cerise Nabella. Yeah, no, this is this is bad. Castian mumbles. This is bad. Castian, as you are walking hand in hand, arm in arm with this young woman, I'd like you to give me another perception check. This is hard with one upgrade. Failure. Failure and a threat. I'll bank that threat for later. As you continue to walk with the young woman towards the flower district of Crevasse City. Oh, this entire district. There's There are a lot of flowers here. Well, there's a lot of weddings during the summer season, of course. I'm sure you've noticed that at the bakery. Of course, of course. Everyone needs their muffins, after all. <laughs> of course. And which one is, um, you said it was uh, Zorbanes? Zabars. Zabars, yes. I've got, you have to forgive me. I'm new here. I'm so glad I have such a wonderful tour guide such as yourself. <laughs> and yeah, he's hoping he can get there quicker if he just feeds on this ego. Well, of course it's the, and she points ahead of her, the largest one. It has a sign. <laughs> of course, how clumsy of me. And of course, the entire flower district had a giant sign. So you would think I'd be able to see that from here. But I, I, you know, I'm glad I found the company so appealing. And I, 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 Castian sighs as he just accepts his fate. I was wondering, uh, perhaps tomorrow evening uh, we could do this again. I do need to rush and, you know, I have to be professional, but I would love to meet with you again tomorrow. I uh, can wait outside and walk you back. Oh, no, unfortunately, I might just be there forever. You know how, imagine if I have to wait there the entire time, but I would love to see you again tomorrow night. Perhaps we can, we can walk further to other places such as like the candy district or the, (laughs) he kind of looks up, Curtain District. <laughs> There's no Curtain District, silly. <laughs> oh, and your name is? Balea. Balea. Well, um, I don't want to belay this point any longer. Thank you. And he, he takes her hand and gives it a kiss. <laughs> and just walks away and mumbles, I am so bad. I am awful. There's another woman that will be hunting me down with the collection of other women that I have ruined for this galaxy. As he's walking towards the bars, he's reaching down at his belt. And at his belt, he didn't bring his blaster because Cerise said, do not bring weapons. For obvious reason, it didn't go so well last time. But there is, it looks on his belt to be, it looks almost kind of like a tourist telescope. That you could easily reach in and you know, pull out a telescope to look around at the sights. 
clearly inside. It, it's the perfect uh, length for a lightsaber that he's hiding. But near that is actually a small satchel. And he reaches in, pulls out a journal, and opens it up. And it's Joel Arquita's journal. And as he's flicking through a couple of the pages, he, f- he finds a little bit of writing where Jolar talks about the force and circumstance and how sometimes it seems that the force itself is a bard and cannot help but make coincidence into reality. And he kind of mumbles. He's like, you have no idea how right you are, Jalar. And he shoves the journal back into his satchel as he enters the shop. Zabar's is, of course, one of several flower shops that have been set up here at Kravas City. And they are actually all elevated a bit even more. So there's this top path that you've been walking along this entire time. But to get into any of the flower shops, you have to go up a flight of stairs because at the very top of the canyon, you know, back onto the normal ground, all of these flower shops have greenhouses that have been built up there in order to have fresh flowers. And you can see as you are walking the steps, even as the light is fading, that all of those greenhouses, they seem to be growing flowers from different planets. You can get any sort of exotic flower, even ones that don't grow here on Alderaan. So you can see some have cloudier atmospheres from planets that might be dense with water vapor or raining constantly. Others that look like they are arid deserts that have cacti and and similar succulents growing in them. Even when you are in a resort town on Alderaan, they're going to make sure that any of your floral needs could be met. And of course, Zabar's is the largest of the flower shops. Cassie's walking in like he owns the place and hopefully does not get stopped by anybody concerning appointments or whatnot. No, because all of these staff in the flower shop are focused on the group of a dozen women that are taking up most of the space. As you walk in, the scent of the flowers is almost overwhelming as the air is just incredibly perfumed with all kinds of flowers, all competing to be the dominant scent in this rather cramped shop. It's the largest, but it is filled from floor to ceiling with all different kinds of plants. There are potted trees, there are cut flowers, there's already arranged bouquets, there's baskets, there's garlands. All kinds of flower arrangements are available here in Zabar's. And I'm going to take that threat from earlier. As you walk in the door and you are hit with this cacophony of scents, you sneeze. And you sneeze again. And you sneeze a third time. This isn't just, oh, you were taken by surprise. You seem to be allergic to something in the air here. You're going to have a setback die to any stealth checks for probably a couple of hours. Castian almost goes for that fourth sneeze, but stops himself, clears his nose, and he's just going to keep on going forward. At the back of the group of women, very easy to spot, is Cerise Nabella. Up at the front seems to be the bride herself, Varie Orden. And her mother, who are arguing with the florist over the state of the bouquet. Castian uh, sidles up right next to Cerise, but he's backs to her and he's just kind of looking over a plant. And finally, you know, it seems like the women are not even focused on her and she's just kind of typing away. Castian says, well, you look beautiful. Cerise jumps a little bit. She had been so focused on her numbers. Kaliza was supposed to keep you at the villa. She must have lost me. It's been a few hours. 
I am so sorry, but there's been very pressing needs here no, as no, no, the- No, 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 no. You don't have to apologize. This is your work, and I am so sorry that I'm interrupting your work. This is important to you. The only reason that would possibly make me interrupt your work is Laris is not doing well, and I need to find a doctor. And I, 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 I don't, I don't know what can I use to to find him here. It is a uh, Riston Aster, and I understand that your charge is marrying someone named Aster. Is that coincidence, or is do you know a Riston is going to be at this wedding? Of course I know who is going to be at this wedding. I am aware of all 997 names of the attendees and exactly how much per head we are paying for this festivities. Indeed, a Riston Aster is among the guest list as he is the grandfather of the groom. Of course he is. That's that's perfect. Why am I getting angry? That's perfect. Yes, uh, I, I need to see him. I need. Where can I locate him? The groom's family isn't due to come in until tomorrow evening when there is going to be a large rehearsal dinner festivities. As last we knew, the grandfather was attending to business on, on Delea, another planet in the system. Yes, yes, I, I know of Delea. But he, he is going to be here tomorrow for the rehearsal dinner, yes? Yes, he is, in fact, the one who is responsible for paying for that. The one thing that the groom's family is responsible for paying for, despite the depleted coffers of House Orden. You sound like you've been having a lot of fun. I have been kept busy. Yes, I can tell. I'm sorry, one minute. And she elbows her way through the crowd of women. My lady, I am very sorry to deliver bad news, but I have to insist once again, we cannot afford the roses from the Hapes cluster. It is out of season for roses there, and you know that despite the great botanists that are here on Alderaan, they have not been able to replicate the atmosphere, so they have to be imported from halfway across the galaxy. But they're so pretty! Of course they are pretty, but again, I thought we had already discussed the importance of showing the unification of the two families, and that was going to be represented between the Alderanian roses and the Nabooian water lilies. <laughs> and all heads turned towards the back of the shop. Cassian was trying to hold it the entire time. <laughs> and he just kind of stands there in his vintage outfit, his cape thrown over his shoulder. Isn't that the man from outside of the dress shop? What is he doing here? He doesn't look like he belongs here. Hello there. I am Gregor Tibbins, and I just happened to overhear that you're talking about floral arrangements, which is, not to brag, a passion of mine. Cerise's head turns towards you very, very slowly as you have inserted yourself into her business, and she does not look happy about it. He panicked. You see, I am part of Lady Luck GLC, and that has me traveling all throughout the galaxy. And I was on Imperial Central not too long ago, and I was at a wedding, and they were using, get this, Rory Lilies. They were exquisite. Apparently, it's the latest flower of choice there. Give me a charm roll. This is gonna be hard. I am going to use two of my fate points to upgrade. I'm also going to give you a setback die because the allergies are still affecting you. So you're trying to be suave and everything, but your eyes are kind of watering. Four successes and two threats. All eyes are on you as you deliver this ode to the Rory Lilies. And the mother of the bride, she parts the waters, so to speak, of all of the women as she comes up to you and she grabs your hand and pulls you forward. 
Navari, this man is speaking very sensible. Of course it makes sense that we would want to be at the height of fashion, does it not? But I really like the Hapian roses. Vari, you heard what Miss Nabella said, did you not? Don't make a scene. I'm sorry, sir, she says, turning to you. What was your name again? Oh, again, I am Gregor Tibbins. Thank you so much for sharing your, your insight here with us. Oh, please, thank you. It's not every day I get to wedge myself into a conversation between such beautiful company. Indeed, Cerise says, as she's kind of been shouldered aside. The harried florist turns to one of his assistants and gives a, a rushed order before he turns back to the women. And of course, Miss Orden, we do have fresh Rory lilies in one of our greenhouses, and of course we would pick them most fresh for you. Oh, you have fresh lilies? When word hits that they are the height of decor on Imperial Central, I'd expect that to be a rare sight to see. The Zabor floral greenhouses are the best stocked here in all of Crevasse City. Oh, that's why I came here. I heard you were the best in all of Alderaan. Uh, and and we, we thank you, sir. I, I hope that you can wait for just uh, one more minute while we, we finalize this transaction. <laughs> of course, of course. And he just steps back and goes back to looking at the plant that he was looking at prior. Cassian closes his eyes and just thinks, why? Why did this happen? This is not what he wanted. He just panicked, honestly. The harried assistant returns with just a couple of Rory lilies because, of course, you don't want to cut all of them. It's still two days before the wedding. And the Zabor's promise, of course, is that the flowers will be cut fresh the morning of your event. But there are a few samples for the bride and her entourage to look at. And when the Rory lilies are brought out, all the women sigh in delight as the Rory lilies are beautiful, shimmering, iridescent flowers. Oh, oh, mother, I think these are the ones. I think they are too. And you see the mother give a side glance to Cerise Nabella, who goes and quickly confers with the florist, obviously talking through pricing. And after a moment, Cerise turns back. Yes, I agree. I think they are the ones. And all the women squeal and cheer as another decision has been finalized. Cassian steps away as he hears the squeal and cheer. And he sees the manager who they were talking to start walking by. And he kind of holds up a hand, kind of blocking him a second and leans forward and says, I did you a solid. We both know that the Rory Lily isn't actually making a comeback on Imperial Central. However, I am sure you'll be making a nice amount off this deal, and all I ask is, you ask that woman there to stay a few minutes to finalize the deal. I just need to have a word with her. Of course, sir. Th thank you. Always nice to have a discerning gentleman in the business. And I am always happy to help a fellow entrepreneur when it comes to making a sale. And Castian steps aside and allows the man to finish up his business with the ladies. The owner of the bars goes back to the counter where the mother and Varie are waiting along with Cerise, and he assures the bride and her mother that their order is going to be completed on schedule. It will be following, of course, all their freshness guarantees, and everything is going to be designed exactly to their specifications. However, of course, he's going to need a moment to work out the exact billing details with their undersecretary here. The mother nods reluctantly, where Varie doesn't have tact yet, 
Varie is 20 years old, maybe. She's an olive-skinned human with dark hair twisted, of course, into heavy braids that are draped over her head. She's tall, kind of awkward, like she still hasn't quite settled into her growth spurt yet. And of course, there seems to be a certain level of immaturity here in how she's dealing with things because she rolls her eyes and says, Good, I don't want her around while we're at the bakery. She's putting a big damper on my big day, mother. The mother says, Now, Varie, we've had discussions about this. I know we have, but this is supposed to be my day, and it doesn't feel like my day very much at all. And what sounds like a very familiar argument is breaking out between mother and daughter as the rest of the entourage looks around kind of awkwardly for a moment. Finally, the mother says, Varie, I don't know why you are arguing with me. You are getting your way. Now, please, let's go to the bakery, dear. <laughs> Fine. And Varie leads the entourage out of the shop. Her mother is the last one there, who, as she is about to leave, she turns to you and takes your hand, shaking it generously. And of course, Mr. Tibbins, I hope to see you at the wedding. Me? At a wedding? <laughs> I wouldn't want you to have to rush and get me a seat this late in the planning process. You have been such a help to my daughter at this time, and and it would be a pleasure to have you amongst us. Don't say no. How could I? Seriously. I am sitting here trying to think how I could say no, and it's just, it's not coming to me. So I, uh, I would love to be part of this fantastical experience. He then takes her hand and leans down to kiss it. As you can tell right now, he's channeling his inner Lando Calrissian. It does not have the same effect on the mother as it did on Laris, but she is obviously charmed. You can see to our undersecretary to get all of the details. Ta-ta! And he just watches her as she moves off, and as soon as the door closes, he turns back to Cerise Nabella, and he notes that the manager quickly finishes up his details, and then he moves towards Cerise as they're giving a moment of privacy. I am so sorry. I am. I am sorry. I. What are you doing? I, I panicked. They looked towards me and I thought for a second that I saw some recognition. And, and you know, I'm not the most welcomed person on Alderaan. And, and I, I'm sorry. I really need your help right now, Cerise. I, the last thing I wanted to do is interrupt your, uh, your big day, her big day. And you're not being a buzzkill. You seem to be handling things quite well. And there's a moment of like, just silence as the two of them realize that they're face-to-face -face with each other for the first time in a fairly empty shop. Yes, for the first time since there was kind of mutual attempts at death and destruction. It was complicated. It was very complicated. Hi, you look beautiful. You look different. Well, I thought you would like the golden locks. They're fine. Fine, yeah, of course, of course, yeah. Um, I needed to disguise. That that makes sense. That that makes sense. So yes, you needed you needed Ristonaster, and I don't have a way to get a hold of him, but he will be here in Crevasse City tomorrow evening. And do you have maybe a picture of him on your datapad so I can just know who I'm looking for? Of course, of course. And she flips through a couple of files before she pulls up the very long guest list. And of course, each entry on the guest list has a name, a photo, identifying marks listed, a list of allergies, a list of likes and dislikes. It's very extensive. Castian's looking it over first for uh, a picture of uh, Riston. Yes. And then he looks towards Cerise. Is there any Imperial 
individuals that'll be here. Yes, actually. Uh, one of the, the moths is going to be here. That's fine. That's fine. I'm not that important. Um, thank you. Uh, I, like I said, it, life and death. And I, I know I, this is not convenient. Um, but I, 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 I've, I've been invited to the wedding um, by the mother. Yes, yes. The 998th guest. I'm sure we will be able to find a place in the seating arrangement for you somewhere. You mentioned you had a very successful business. Yes, uh, Lady Luck GLC. It's something that this man uh, has. It's a, it's a business of his. He probably has a windfall of quite a bit of money, seeing that he ripped me off. Well, that explains why you were invited. The Great House Orden is not exactly flush with cash at the moment. They, they won't even see me. I'll be there. I'll mingle. I will not ruin this for you. I promise you. It's not me that I'm worried about. It's Varie. She is just an awful brat. Well, she's about to be married off soon, so she will no longer be my problem. Well, that day can't go. It comes soon enough. Two days from now. Two long days. If, uh... You will excuse me, I don't believe we can maintain your cover if you were to follow me to the bakery. Right. And I guess I shouldn't return to House Odin. Is that correct? It might look suspicious now that I'm an employee of Lady Luck GLC. No. No, you probably should not. I can rent a vehicle and I can just sleep in my ship. And if anyone sees you going in and out of a ship, of course that will just start more rumor mongering. We will... we will... Find a solution for this. In the meantime, I need to go make sure that she does not spend another hundred thousand credits trying to get back the gold-encrusted buttercream for her cake. Yes. Just remind her she can't have her cake and eat it, too. Terrible joke. I'm sorry. Yes. Go. Go. I'm, I'm rooting for you. And he throws up the most awkward thumbs up ever. And, like, dies on the inside. <laughs> like, the camera clearly sees he dies on the inside. Especially because there's that awkward moment of, well, how how do you say goodbye? And before she could, like, she started to lean in a little bit, and then your thumbs up get in the way. She's like, of, of course. And she scatters off. And she finally closes the doors, and he realizes his thumbs up are still thumbs up. And he just like, no. He looks towards the manager. Excuse me, I am looking for a business associate who, truth be told, likes a little bit of the gambling and not the good sort of gambling where it's a gentleman's game. Uh, is there like a gambling hall or hotel in the lower sector that I can view to try to find this young man? You know how it is. Employees. Of, of course, sir, there are many fine establishments all, all throughout Crevasse City. The lowest level would be fine. Like I said, this man likes to um, play along with the riffraff. Makes it more dangerous. Uh, yes, uh, perhaps you should check the, the Cliff Shade Inn. And, 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 and where is that located? Oh, that would be on uh, level eight. Thank you so much. I do appreciate it. Um, again, good luck with the wedding. It seems like it's going to be quite the trial. And as he's walking out, he's sending a quick uh, message, just like text to Cerise Nabella saying, uh, getting room at Cliff Shaden. And again, he walks out and his like cape gets tangled up and he throws it behind his shoulder and says, I hate this thing. And he is marching to the Cliff Shaden. So again, you step onto one of the elevator pads and you descend deeper into Crevasse City. At this point, the sun has certainly set. And so now the entire crevasse is lit up from within with lanterns everywhere scattered throughout the canyon. As you step off of the elevator on the eighth level of Canyon City, can you give me a hard perception check? No upgrades this time. 
Two successes, two threats. Down here on the eighth level, it's still one of the nicest places that you have ever been. The attention to detail down here isn't as minute as it is above, whereas on the first level of Crevasse City, everything looks like it was hand-carved by artisans centuries ago. This looks kind of prefab, where it's still all carved into the side of the canyon, obviously, but the decorations aren't unique. You see repeating patterns. It's suburbia. Very much so. That's fine with Casty. Neck just feels a little bit better. Uh, as he's walking around, he's noting that his vintage outfit that he's wearing right now isn't so vintage around these people. Like, they're still wearing nice outfits, but no one's wearing like feathers and crazy stuff here. Everybody's just wearing kind of a nice outfits. Mm -hmm. And he actually feels a little bit more relaxed as he's walking. And that stress of always looking proper is no longer on the front of his mind. So he can actually take in a lot more of the sights and sounds. And he's just looking around, kind of just feeling the weight slip off him a little bit more. And then you realize that you're being followed. Castian is stopping in front of a store and he's looking through the window and he's trying to get a reflection of if he could see anybody who stops and is watching him uh, along the way. You don't see anybody. No, I have no time like the present. And Castian immediately turns and walks down a dark alleyway. <laughs> this is the alley with the dumpsters between two restaurants. As he's walking, his hand is moving towards where that small leather telescope holder is. And then he's moving past it towards the secret compartment in his coat. And he's like grabbing a blade. And he's slipping it into his sleeve and he's continuing walking. Uh, and occasionally looking over his shoulder just lazily as if he's just a rich man making sure no one's, you know, going to hurt him back here. But he's looking for any sign of someone following him. You said, I feel like I'm being followed. I'm seeing if I can locate them. The reason why you couldn't see anybody following you when you stopped to look in that window is because they are a level above you. There's definitely one person above you. There might be a second. It's difficult to tell without actively giving yourself away, basically, and stopping to look up. Cassian is going to stop, look around as if he's like almost detecting someone watching him, and then he's going to turn facing one of the brick walls and whistle as if he's urinating. And again, he is just waiting. Like every sense of his is trying to go off just to see if someone's like going to attack him from behind. He's giving them plenty of time to jump for him, shoot at him. But he's trying to be able to counter that by dodging mm -hmm. or something like that. All right. So why don't you give me an initiative roll? This is cool because obviously you have been tipped off. Three successes. They got one triumph and one success. Yeah, they get to go first. And even though you have all of your senses open, you're trying to keep an eye on whatever is about to come from above. Obviously, whoever it is, is a professional. Because before you can react, they get a shot off. I have one defense. All right. And they got two successes with their accurized blaster carbine. A blaster carbine bolt erupts in the night coming directly at you for 11 points of damage wounds wounds yes i soak four of that so that's 11 so seven points of damage to me so i have 12 left uh, castian gets slammed into the back of the shoulder clearly misjudging and he's going to spin around and he's first trying to locate the person he's one level above you so probably about 12 feet do i see them yes Castian holds up a hand, squeezes his hand tightly, 
and he's tugging down on that guy's foot to try to bring him down to the ground, down to his level. All right. Sounds like that is a move force check. Yes, that's my discipline against whatever defenses he has. So that's going to be average difficulty, both of them upgraded, two red dice. That doesn't matter. I got one success, one advantage, and one triumph. And what side of the force did you draw upon? Three whites. Castian is ripping him down, using the light side of the force and slamming him down to the ground. He soaks some of the falling damage, but still takes five wounds. As for your triumph, you see the blaster carbine fall from his hand as he hits the ground with a oof. The breath is obviously knocked out of him. His arms flail out wide and the blaster carbine scatters a little bit down the alley. He coughs a couple of times when he hits the ground. You've hurt him, but you've not taken him out yet. That was a a good enough hit that he spends this round getting himself back to his feet and he is reaching for a pike that he has strapped across his back. So he's going to be able to pull that out this round, but he can't attack you yet. Castian is going to charge him and he is going to slash at him with his blade. He does have one defense. I did two successes and two advantages, which means I crit on this one. So he's taking six points of damage. He's going to soak some of that and then I'm going to crit. And roll me a d100. 87. 87 means he is compromised and has one additional difficulty die until the end of the encounter. So he takes just one point of damage ultimately. You cut him across the arm, drawing blood, but it's not going to slow this man down substantially. Yeah, Castian uh, slashes at his arm, but the man quickly kind of just pulls back, barely gets nicked, and before he can say anything, Castian pulls back his foot and nails him right in the knee, which is that critical injury. The guy kind of stumbles back. It's hurting, but this guy seems to be a professional and he keeps on fighting. Yes, he takes his pike out and now he steps into the light a little bit better. And you can see that this is a force pike, which essentially is a long stick with a vibro edge on it. So it is a a bit of a nastier weapon even than your vibro knife. And it also allows him to fight you at a little bit of a distance. He can keep you out of arm's reach. Not that that affects somebody with the force, and he is going to lunge at you with his force pike. And he has his setback die. Let's see how it goes. He still gets one success. He has three threats, however. So with that one success, he does seven damage. So I am going to parry five of that, but I'm going to take three strain. That also soaks the rest uh, once I do take whatever he hands at me, so... Yeah, Castian is using his blade to block it. It kind of gets close to his face to cut into his cheek, but Castian pulls back just in time, and he spins around, getting again in another fighting stance. He actually falls forward. That's the three threats that he had there, and is once again fallen prone on the ground. Castian is going to bring back his blade and slam it down on uh, the man's shoulder. I got three threats, one triumph. I, I do five damage, and then I guess with my triumph, I do a critical injury. Exactly. So five damage doesn't actually hurt him because of his soak, but you could have caused some other effect with that critical injury. I I rolled a one with my critical injury. He takes one strain. It's actually, he's an NPC. He doesn't have strain, so that actually counts as a wound. And as I stab into him, Castian growls, Who the hell sent you? My employer doesn't take kindly to smugglers. And he stands up throwing you off of his back and is going to attack you again with his force pike. And he fails and takes a bunch of threats too. So you've obviously hurt this man more than you thought initially, 
as he has tried to throw you off, I should say, actually, and you are able to still hold on with your knife embedded in his arm. I'm going to try to pull him up to his feet, and I'm going to charge towards the dumpster, but then I'm going to use the force to slam his face into the dumpster. All right. Four successes. So he takes eight points of damage as his face slams right into this dumpster. (sighs) I'm winning. I'd rather not kill you. He's a man of few words. He actually reaches for his waist where he has his own vibro knife. The pike obviously isn't working. You're too close to him now. And he's going to try to just take it from his waist and stab you in the stomach. One success, two threats, one triumph. That does six damage to you. I parry six of that, but I take three strain again, and I'm going to soak the rest. He still almost gets me, and and he could still do his critical injury. He rolls a 28 which gives you a discouraging wound. Flip a light side destiny point to dark side. Castian uh, charges at him and he slashes at Castian's face, but Castian stumbles back. But then the guy kind of pushes Castian into a heaping pile of garbage. So Castian's feeling a little bit embarrassed by that. And then Castian looks over towards the guy's carbine. He's going to try to die for the guy's carbine that's on the ground. All right. This is your action. It's within range. You can absolutely grab it. You can't make another attack, though. Castian's going to jump for it and grab it and spin around on his back, aiming. And he's going to come back at you, switching back to his force pike. Two successes gives him eight damage. So since I've switched out, I do have to just take that damage. He slams his thing right down onto Castian's leg, and Castian feels something's pop. But yeah, so I soak four of that. Mm-hmm. So you said eight damage. Yes. Castian's going to aim and fire. One success, four threats. Okay. I got him, though. This isn't a weapon that you're familiar with, the blaster carbine. It's larger than you like to deal with. You prefer much more subtle weapons than this. But as soon as you pick it up, it feels unexpectedly light in your hands. It's a very well-balanced weapon. This is not the weapon of some back alley pickpocket. Alderaan's nice, but its pickpockets don't carry around specialized weapons. And you realize as you fire off this unfamiliar weapon that it's been modified to be exceptionally accurate. And so it does 10 damage as the blaster goes off. While it's incredibly accurate and lighter than expected, it also has more of a kick than you anticipated. So you actually skid further back into that garbage and kind of hit your head against the wall and just be two points of strain. And you look back to him to see that he has a smoking hole in his stomach because of course he did not have that on stun setting and you didn't take the time to switch it either. So our friend is toast. Castian sees him fall to his knees and then fall over on his side. And then Castian looks down at the gun and drops it and then realizes his prints are on it. So he immediately grabs the gun, looks around, pulls off his cape and quickly wraps it up. Was it a loud shot? No, it was pretty quiet. Castian is looking around, waiting for like, Five seconds to see if anybody says anything, shouts anything, and then he's going to shake his head and immediately run to the man and start patting him down to see if he could find any identification on him, any bounty license or something like that. Give me a perception check. Average difficulty. One success, uh, two threats. You don't find any kind of identification on this man, which is suspicious in and of itself. There's definitely no bounty hunter identification not even standard ID on him. However, on his neck, behind his ear, you see a small tattoo. It's difficult to read in the dim light of this alley, but if you squint at it, looks like 
It is the symbol for Black Sun. No, 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 no. Castian stands up and just grabs his head and says, not Black Sun, not Black Sun. He knows of Black Sun. Everybody knows of Black Sun. Especially from your time as a bounty hunter. Between being a bounty hunter and your time in the Inquisition, you became very well aware of the crime syndicate Black Sun. Castian pauses and kneels down and squints and just kind of takes a moment to breathe. Then he's grabbing the guy, checking for a pulse. There is none. And then he's throwing the man into the dumpster and piling as much trash as he can on the man. And then he is wiping the uh, blaster as much as he can down and dropping it into an alternate dumpster. You said earlier that you wrap it in your cape. Do you dump the cape too? I keep the cape, but I'm like I said, I'm using, honestly, I'm using the cape to wipe everything down okay. as much as I can. And he's just looking around trying to clean the scene as much mm-hmm. as he can before quickly walking out of this alleyway back into the public light, pulling out his communicator and uh, activating it says, Skitter. Yes, sir. I need you to look at that shipment of whiskey and make sure it's just whiskey. Of course, sir. Get back to me ASAP and, and keep an eye out for anybody that's approaching the ship. Of course, sir. And he deactivates his communicator, tosses one last glance around before mumbling, Great, I've been on Alderaan for less than 24 hours and I've already killed a man. What's with this planet and death? Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fandible Solo Shot, Star Wars Force and Destiny podcast. You can now find all episodes on the Fandible Solo Shot podcast feed on iTunes and all other podcasting platforms. Please subscribe and leave us a review to help new listeners find us for their Star Wars actual play fix. You can also find us on Twitter at Solo Shot Podcast. And if you enjoy the stories we tell here and on the rest of the Fandible Podcast Network, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash fandible. Thanks again, and may the Force be with you always. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, there were still stories waiting to be told. Force Majeure is an actual play Star Wars podcast, following groups of emerging Force sensitives trying to survive the worst the Outer Rim can throw at them. So if you like action, adventure, thrilling yarns and good tea, you might enjoy Force Majeure. Find us on Twitter at Force Majeure Pod or online at forcemajeurepod.com or wherever you find your podcasts.